Good morning. For our opening song, we're going to be singing number six in the blue book here in this place. Please stand. Blessings to all of you. Welcome to this space of worship. May you feel the presence of the divine with you. And may you pass that presence on to others when you leave this place. Now we will light the peace lamp to represent the presence of Christ with us in this space. This is something that we will do to open every chapel. 
My name is Janae Longenecker, and I'm a second year PJCS major. This year, I'll be working as a chapel assistant along with the rest of this team. We'll each be introducing ourselves as the service continues. My name is Andrew Pauls, and I'm a third year PJCS major. We hope that this year, as worship assistants, we can create a comfortable space that everybody feels welcome in chapel. We hope that chapel is a place where we can keep current events in our minds, in our prayers, as well as a place where we can acknowledge the urging and calling of the divine in our lives. You see behind us the new Campus Ministries banner for this year. Um, you'll be hearing more about the banner, which was created by Artie Woodward next week. But um, just so you know for now, our theme this year is Centered in Christ. An obligatory note about technology and distractions. We realize that chapel is somewhat compulsory and that not everybody wants to be in chapel, but we ask that you be respectful of people around you and people up front, keeping your attention on what's happening and not on distracting things like iPads. We hope you enjoy chapel this morning and thank you for being here. Good morning. I'm Eliana Neufeld-Basinger and I'm a second year social work major. Um, and I'm going to introduce the next thing we're doing, which will be passing the peace. And this tradition comes to Goshen. Um, it's been here a couple years. It was brought by a worship assistant from Columbia, from her home church, um, where there were people from all across the political spectrum and from different socioeconomic statuses. And they would get up and shake hands and um, either say, either greet each other or say, peace be with you, or peace of Christ be with you, and then the other person replies, and also with you. And in the context that it came from, it was an act of radical reconciliation. So that's where this comes from, and so please get up and greet some other people, hopefully people you don't know yet, and with the peace of Christ. All right. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a sophomore music ed major. Morning, everyone. I'm Karina, if you can see me. I'm a uh, third year now. Wow. Third year broadcasting major. And um, yeah, I'm here from Goshen, Indiana. So. Hi, I'm Paul Zare. I'm a fourth year theater and music major from Carthage, New York. So if you could please stand with us and join us in worship. Jesus, fling 
darkness tremble when all the saints join in one song and all the streams flow as one river to wash away our broken hands and here we see that god you're moving a time of jubilee is coming when young and old to number 30. Jesus Christ is waiting. Number 30.
everyone. Thank you for being here this morning. My name is Karina Palos. I am a second year social work major and I live here in Goshen, Indiana. Um, today's speaker is Goshen College campus Pastor Bob Yoder. He has recently led this summer's SST unit to Nicaragua. Um, Pastor, um, Pastor published Helping Youth Grieve. Um, he, um, this will be his 13th year at Goshen College and his 10th year being a campus pastor. Today's scripture is found in book of Luke chapter 11, verse one through four. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Pastor Bob Yoder with us. It was May 1998. I remember telling a good friend of mine that I was tired. I was worn out. I'm not sure I can take much more. In the several months leading up to that statement, I had announced my resignation to a congregation uh, as pastor, to a congregation that I deeply loved, people that I deeply cared for, and saying goodbye drained me. Also in those months, I experienced some relationship struggles with uh, a friend or two, and that also wore me out. I also became a bit disillusioned with some good church people who were saying some not so nice things about my mentor. In fact, they were saying lies. And I wondered to myself often, if this is how good church people are going to act and be, I'm not sure that I want to associate myself with those kind of people. It was May 1998, and I was worn out. I felt like a sponge had been wrung out several times over and over. And then June came. Three different fronts of tornadoes swept across southwestern Pennsylvania and my home area, all within two days. A chunk of the town that I went to school in was destroyed. Our farm was decimated. Pretty much all the buildings were gone. The farm where I grew up, the farm where my parents were still living. And then as we began to clean up the shattered pieces of wood scattered throughout the fields, we received news that my 15-year-old niece and brother-in-law died as secondary results of the tornado. At 25 years of age, I never thought that I would be leading the graveside service of my niece. That wrung out sponge, which was my soul, got wrung out some more. In addition to pastoring a church part-time, I also worked at a camp part-time as a camp director at Larville Mennonite Church Center. And that summer we had decided to change our program dramatically, and I was charged with overseeing that change. It required a lot of work. Though I was still feeling quite raw from my own grief and loss, I told myself that I couldn't deal with it now. I had a job to do at camp, and so I decided to set aside my grief until the end of the summer, and then I would deal with it. But in the meantime, 
I'd carry on and smile a lot. The summer camp season came and went. And so it was time to unbury that grief and deal with it. However, I couldn't. There was no feeling there. Nothing. I couldn't resurrect that grief. And so by the beginning of September, I had packed my bags and moved from God's land of Pennsylvania to Indiana, another part of God's land, (laughs) to begin my seminary studies. But my soul was zapped. I was wrung out like a sponge one too many times. Karina read one version of the Lord's Prayer found in the Gospel of Luke. It's shorter than the passage found in the Gospel of Matthew. Another difference between the two is the setting in which each took place. In Matthew, Jesus is preaching to thousands of people on a hillside, and it falls smack in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters of teachings of how to live life. But in the Gospel of Luke, the setting takes place in an intimate setting. Jesus and just his disciples, perhaps around a campfire at an evening after a long day of ministering to people. In Luke, the disciples had been with Jesus as he taught, healed, engaged the other. Now, as Jesus was playing in a certain, praying in a certain place, his disciples wanted to know how to pray like him. Being people of Jewish faith, they certainly knew how to pray, but they also obviously observed something different about Jesus. And they too wanted to know how to pray like that, how to connect with God like that, how to center themselves with the divine like that. If you were to sit down in one setting and read the entire Gospel of Luke, you would observe something about Jesus. He did a lot of stuff, and he prayed. For the gospel writer of Luke, it's important that we know about Jesus' spirituality, his faith. It was one of doing and one of being. Often at the end of one of his wonderful deeds, the writer would say he went off to the deserted places, or he went off to pray. It was important to know that as Jesus was active in his ministry, he also was with God. A few minutes ago, we sang two different songs, two Jesus-centered songs. The one song, Jesus Christ is Waiting, depicts the act of Jesus, the one who was in the streets waiting, raging, dancing, healing, and calling us out. We're reminded of Jesus' ministry on this earth, and we are called to go and do likewise. The other song, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble?, calls us to stop and recognize the ways that God has moved and is moving. Placing ourselves before God to simply be as we pause to notice God's creative expressions in this world, whether it be like the roar of the oceans or like the mighty flow of a river or like the playing of joyful music, as we open ourselves to the hope, the love, and the forgiveness that God offers to us all. The campus ministry's theme this year is centered in Christ. For many of us, this may seem like an obvious aspect of our faith. We are to do what Jesus did, treat people like Jesus did, 
and usher in God's reign on this earth like Jesus did. Simple. But how do we go about truly centering ourselves in Christ? Are we so busy doing good deeds that we neglect to pause and center ourselves before God? Are we so sure that we know what Jesus would do that we no longer seek God's counsel and listen for what we should do? Back to 1998 and my wrung out, zapped soul. As I said, I knew I was in trouble. Parts of me felt nothing but apathy. Parts of me were excited to be in a new state with a new start. But I had questions about my future. I had questions about the church and how I would be a part of it or not. Those previous nine months leading up to that move in September was very disorienting for me. I needed to be recentered. I wasn't sure how I'd go about this recentering, and I won't go into all the details that unfolded for me, but I'll mention two ways of praying or two ways of connecting with God that I found helpful and meaningful. But with both prayers, I sort of stumbled across them and didn't know what I was doing, and I needed help from others to help me know what was going on and to teach me. Kind of like when the disciples asked Jesus, teach me what you're doing. The first way of praying uh, was more of a being prayer. It was more of, I just kind of showed up, was there. That prayer involved me receiving a set of three images in my head. And that became part of my own healing process over the next number of months. The first image came to me about a month and a half after I moved to Indiana. It was during a time when I was centering myself before God. What I saw in my head was a small room with a door facing each other, two different doors facing each other. I walked through the door into the room. God walked through the other door. We met in the middle. I looked at God in the face and I walked right back out the door. At first, I didn't know what to make of that. This never happened to me before. Was it simply my imagination? Was God trying to speak to me in some way? Was I just daydreaming? But as I reflected on that image in the moment, I remembered thinking, yeah, that's how I am right now. I want to be in the same room with God, but it's just simply too painful. Get me out of there. And then I took a deep breath, recognizing that image depicted the state of my soul. When I started seminary, I began meeting with a spiritual director, someone who was trained to listen in on my conversations with God. I met with that person monthly. I sheepishly told her about that image, doubting that it was any kind of message of God or, or anything with my faith. However, she challenged my thinking. Why don't you believe it couldn't have come from God, Bob? I won't go into the details of our conversation, but she encouraged me to pay attention to that image and accept that it may have been a gift from God. A month passed and another image came to me during a prayerful moment. Similar to the first, I walked in the door, God walked in the door, I looked at God in the face, I hightailed it out of there, God started following after me. 
So I slammed the door shut in God's face and held the door shut. And then the image stopped. I took a deep breath and realized, yeah, that's how my soul feels right now. Again, I unpacked this image with my spiritual director. Another month passed, and a third image came to me. Again, the same small room. But this time, as I walked into the room, there was a big window on the one side or on one of the walls, and God was standing there looking out the window. And on the other side of the window was God's people hurting themselves, mistreating each other, doing nasty stuff to each other. And so I walked in the room, stood there beside God, and I too looked out the window. And I felt God's arm around my shoulder. And then I looked up at God's face, and I saw a tear coming down God's cheek. And then the image stopped. And I took a deep breath. And I thought to myself, well, if God can stick with me after I slammed the door on God's face, I too can stick with God and with God's people despite our humanity. I was also grateful and relieved to be in that same room with God and not feel that same pain that I once did of just simply being in the presence of God. Looking back on that time now nearly 17 years ago, I was in need of recentering. not so much because I did a lot of wrong things, more because life happened. Life unfolded in ways that I did not want it to. But that time of disorientation set me up for the second way of praying that I really came to appreciate, that of biblical lament, which is very much a mentally active prayer. I did not know much of anything about biblical lament growing up. I might have read a psalm or two in church about some sinner crying out their woes to God because they did something wrong and they're in pain for it. But I certainly was not taught the theological depth that undergirds the whole lament spirituality. And while I don't have time this morning to give a nice, wonderful, full lecture on the good news of biblical lament, or tell about the many professors and authors and people who helped me learn about lament, I wish to say that for me, these prayers are some of the richest, deepest expressions of faith found in the Bible. They often end with a resounding joy and praise, but only because they have known deep sorrow and despair. They are the prayers that exude a deep trust in God and God's faithfulness, but only because they have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. These are the prayers of the stuff of life. These are the prayers that invite us to engage with God life's realities rather than escape or deny them. And these are prayers that remind God to be God. God invites us to name our complaints, our frustrations, our despairs, our protests, whatever. Whatever our stuff of life is, God welcomes those. If you are a person right now in need of recentering, know that hope is present, even if it is obscured. 
If you are a person who feels in over your head and not sure what to do or how to pray, ask for help. Like the disciples who observed something different about Jesus, ask people you appreciate and respect, how do you pray when such and such comes up in life? How do you get through life? We're in the beginning of a new school year. If you don't yet feel busy with readings and papers and exams and projects and extracurriculars and so forth, brace yourself. With so many demands and opportunities available to you, the college life will get busy real quick. But in the midst of those flurried opportunities and activities, make sure you, like Jesus, take time to go off to the deserted places. Take time to walk with God around campus. Take time to relax over a cup of coffee. Take time to stroll through the woods with a friend. Take time to stop, to pause, to be. Take time to center yourself and to be recentered. I'm Joelle Friesen, a third year biochemistry major from Normal, Illinois. And in response to Bob's message, we will have a time of reflection. You're invited to come forward and write a hope or prayer for the coming year, either for yourself or for the community, on the mirrors at the front. Um, and keep in mind our theme of Centered in Christ. Feel free to join in the music that will be playing at this time, singing along. And again, come forward and write a prayer hope on the mirrors. Jesus. 
please join me in prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day and we thank you for your faithfulness, God. That even when we are not faithful, God, you continue to be faithful. You continue to be with us. You continue to seek and pursue us, God. And we just thank you for the word you gave us today through Bob. We thank you for um, this chapel service and the freedom that we have to just be in this place, God. And we thank you for that. And we pray that um, as this semester continues to unfold, God, that you would help us through it, that you would help us to center ourselves in you, God, that we, you would help us, Father, that while we're so busy with schoolwork and, and even doing your work when it comes to service and serving others, God, we pray that you would help us to remember that without you at the center, there's nothing that we can do. Without you at the center, it's all pointless, God. We do it for you, Jesus, and we pray that you would keep us centered and keep us focused on the most important things so that we can see you and be like you, God. Because you, as Jesus Christ walking on this earth, were able, you were able to change the entire world. And if we keep our eyes on you, if we keep you at the center, we will be able to do the same. And help us to do that today and every other day. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. You may go in peace.